friends, one of my favorite things to do, one of my favorite games as a kid, was to find a newspaper or sometimes even its own full book, which had two pictures that at first glance looked exactly the same, but had minor differences. It's sort of a brain test, if you will. I don't know how many of you do that. In People Magazine, not that I subscribe to it, but in People Magazine at the very end, they have one of those every week. Now those differences require very intentional comparisons. And normally the designer of these two, almost the same pictures, tell us how many differences we should find. And if you're pretty good at reading upside down, you can find the answers there as well. Not that I've ever tried to do that. I compete at everything. <laughs> Both of today's scriptures seek to do the opposite, friends, of that picture game. They challenge, uh, as we hear what Pastor Pam, Pastor Kenny's readings, we hear challenges and occasions where it's obvious that while there are differences in people, there are not differences in who God loves, in who we're called to love or in who is welcome into the circle of God's care. As most of us know, our scripture story is broken into two primary sections, the First Testament and the New Testament. The First Testament that is commonly referred to as the Old Testament, unless you've had Hebrew scholar Dr. Lisa Davison as your professor, Deb and Pam and Keith now and Chris and Matthew, all those of those in seminary, you're going to know Dr. Davison will not let you call the First Testament the Old Testament. For she feels like too often, and I think it's true, when you hear Old Testament people, how many of us have heard, that doesn't matter anymore, Jesus came and all we pay attention to is the New Testament. So we know this scripture is broken down into these two stories. And in large part, the messages and teaching of the First Testament are packed just full of genealogy, archaeology, and the call for earliest of our faith ancestors to live counterculture, and in a way that sets them apart from the rest of the ancient community. Now let me remind us all that everyone, everyone in the ancient community, including the Jewish community, all of them believed in multiple gods. But the thing that set the Hebrew community apart from everyone else is that they believed in a supreme God. I refer to that sometime as a capital G God, if you will. This is important for us to understand, and it helps us interpret the stories in the First Testament within their proper context, and you all know how important that is for me to do. For example, the entire purpose of the Levitical Code found in Leviticus and used as a primary justification for judging those who identify as gay or lesbian, was not to say that homosexuality was sinful. First of all, there was not even a Hebrew or Arabic or Greek word for homosexuality. So none of Scripture speaks to that contemporary vocabulary. The purpose of the Levitical Code was to give specific instructions to the Hebrew people about everyday life situations in which they were called to be different. That's why they were instructed not to eat shellfish, shrimp, or not to wear clothes of mixed fabric like cotton polyester blends, or not to grow vegetables in the same crop. So don't grow your potatoes in the same garden as you grow your tomatoes. 
Once again, isn't it quite interesting that these and other rules are found in the same book of Leviticus that some of us get bashed down with? When the bashers sitting at the table are eating shrimp or lobster in their blended fabric clothing, sharing tomatoes and potatoes grown in the same piece of land. Oh, the hypocrisy. But that is a separate sermon for another day. I give you this background, friends, because, again, most of the First Testament was focused on instructing the Hebrew Jewish people the importance of setting themselves apart from the rest of the ancient world. And if they were successful in doing that, they would not blend in with culture or with societal norms. They would live differently than the heathens or the pagans. And then we turn to the New Testament and find seemingly just the opposite, although we should be careful in making that assumption. In our passage from John this morning, we hear about the call to love one another as God loves us. We've been talking a lot about that during this series. Yet the important thing for us not to miss is about who we should love, not only how we should love. And Jesus makes a clear point that there should no longer be a division between slaves and master. If anyone could claim to be master, it would be Jesus. And yet here he says, I do not call you servants any longer because the servant doesn't know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends. For the early listeners of this teaching of Jesus, this would have been a radical statement. For slaves were just that, enslaved, less than, totally at the mercy of, of their human masters. Jesus is instructing us to love like he loves and who he loves, to be willing to lay down our lives for our friends. Now, I don't know about you, but I bet you have some friends in your life that are like what Brenda and I call chosen family. We can think of those who we might call our friends and perhaps think, easy enough, I'd do anything for my friends. I've been known to say to a friend, I love you so much, I'd take a bullet for you. But then, as only Jesus can do, he turns our thinking upside down and says, you see those folks who seem less than you are? You see those folks who have no voice, no power, who are being ignored? That's who we are to call friends. That's who you are to love as I love you. We are no longer different as how masters and slaves are very different. No, we are one. We are friends. Mic drop. And before we catch our breath from trying to run to the furthest margins to bring folk into the circle of our own love, we turn to Acts and find this interesting and dramatic event in the life and early ministry of Peter. The writer here in Acts is intentional about describing the folks who were traveling with Peter as circumcised believers, which of course refers to Peter's fellow Jews. So like Peter, 
who had come with them. These folks witnessed those unlike Peter suddenly being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Listen again. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who've received the Holy Spirit as we have? So he ordered them all to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they invited him to stay for several days. Why in the world would the writer of Acts put that last line on there? In other words, not only are they in God's circle, but now they're going to be hanging out with us. Once again, we should look at this sacred scripture, friends, with the same intentionality and context as it was originally written and heard. For Peter's Jewish entourage to hear, number one, the expression of God in those people, the Gentiles, and then number two, hear that those people were invited to be baptized which indicated their desire to follow the same God as the Jews. Again, this was very, very radical. The same people they had spent centuries trying to set themselves apart from are now going to be welcomed by the capital G, God. We might understand their confusion. First, the call to be different. And now... The call to be the same. Masters with slaves. Jews with Gentiles. Yet if we look a little further. If we dive a little deeper. The call was not to be the same. Even after Jesus' teaching. There were slaves in the ancient community. And sadly what we know to be true. Slaves in the horrific history of our own country. And in the ancient community as it is today, there are Jews and there are Gentiles. There are Jews and there are Christians. And to go further, there are different kinds of Jews. And there's different kinds of Christians. Each having their own set of beliefs and values and rituals and observations. God knows literally that we are not the same. And that is not, in my opinion, what God wants us to be. I believe God values our diversity and the various values and interpretations we can bring to the world. I believe that God is big enough for all of us. And rather than argue about my interpretation and how right it is or that it's best, you know what my focus is? Try to live out my beliefs. That's a full plate, friends. That's hard enough without me worrying about others. What these passages are showing us is that we're not going to become the same. We will notice differences. Whether we are Jews or Muslims, Christians, Hindu, Buddhist, or any number of other world religions. I've shared this before, and Kenny knows this all too well with his husband being Native American. My great-grandmother was a full-blooded Cherokee. And as I shared with my mom, she was not Christian. But no matter what we identify as, 
The call is to understand that God loves all of us and all of them equally. And that we're all invited to join on some path to the divine. See, I believe that any attempt to have a relationship with the divine has to bring more wholeness and fullness to individuals and by default to our world. I used to hear a joke about a bus going to heaven and it was loaded with Church of Christ folk. (laughs) Not United Church of Christ folk. But the far more conservative and exclusive branch of the Church of Christ. Now, as the joke goes, and you know, we know truly it could be a busload of any number of denominations or even any number of churches who truly believe that they are the only ones who will share an eternity with God. Many of you have heard the joke as it goes when the bus arrives at heaven, there's a traffic jam, other buses other religions, all of them lined up and are being granted entry. And someone on the bus says, Wow, what are they doing here? I didn't expect to see them. And as I've shared with you all before, I'm not sure what an eternity with God will look like or feel like. But however it looks and feels, If we do, in fact, recognize souls on the other side, and I'm like many of you, I hope we do. I hope I recognize my daddy and my nephew Jim Doug and my niece Jen and my friend Peg. But whatever it looks like, if we recognize souls, I'll just bet there's going to be some surprises for us too. (laughs) And I just bet there'll be folks surprised to see us. In the meantime, the scripture lesson from today does indeed capture the words of that song we sang a bit ago. A song that I hope, as much as we love to sing it, we pay attention to the words. A place at the table. It speaks of equality and dignity. It speaks of God's love And what should likewise be our love for one another? For everyone born, a place at God's table. For woman, for man, for young, and for old. And I gotta be honest, every time we sing this next verse, every time I have to pause and go, don't sing it if you can't buy into it. For just and unjust, abuser, abused. And God will delight when we are creators of justice and joy, compassion and peace. Yes, God We'll delight when we are creators of justice, justice and joy.
Thanks for joining us for the Bluegrass United Church of Christ podcast. We'd love to have you join us for a service sometime. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 500 Don Anna Drive in Lexington, Kentucky. You can find us online at bluegrasschurch.org.